championship on the line right here. He's going for the corner. He's got it. Hello, welcome to 4th and 5, your Lawhorn Nation podcast. I'm your host, Will Bazer, and I'm joined alongside by Jacob Dedimore and Jason Chilton. Well, boys, that wasn't fun. Hello, darkness, my old friend. I've come to talk with you again. Another friendly upper. <laughs> Sorry, that's what we did when... That's what we did when we lost to Maryland in Tom Herman's first year, so might as well yeah. repeat it. <laughs> oh, there's there's some ghosts to stir yeah. up, thanks. Yeah, oh, well, yeah. you know, we're going to talk today about that game that happened up there in northwestern Arkansas. What went right, so that's going to be short. And then uh, what went wrong? We'll talk about what happened with the offensive and get defensive game plans, why they weren't good, and yeah, that's basically the most of the show. Then we're going to talk about what we hope to see in the Rice game, because, you know, I guess it's a bounce back week. Sure. Dead cats can bounce, so maybe. <laughs> you drop them from high enough. Guys, today's show is brought to you by the Bob Ross positive energy drink. So, Complete with picture of Bob Ross at Fro and all. I love it. Yeah, he's painting a little happy little tree there on the can. It's quite a quite a drink. It's not the best drink ever, but you know, bro, they're a sponsor. <laughs> like the Texas game plans, it wasn't a mistake to buy this. It's just just a happy little accident. Just happy little accidents all over the field. Um, <laughs> Our definitions of happy differ pretty widely. <laughs> <laughs> and considering considering you know Jason's got a newborn, I don't know if happy little accidents is probably the phrase that gets used. Much. No, they're all they're all sad, they're all sad accidents. Every last one. Of them. <laughs> yeah. So guys, uh, what went right on Saturday? Uh, the Earth did not crash into the sun. Hmm. Although that would have been. A better day. Right, yeah, I'm not saying I wasn't wishing for it. I'm saying it didn't happen. That, that would have been an improvement on the evening. There's no question about that. Yeah. Um, oh, the team boy. The team survived the plane ride back to Austin. Yeah, that is a positive. I'll put that down as a positive right there. Oh. Death is no fun. No, no. I'm surprised somebody didn't try to just D.B. Cooper the way out of the plane and bail on this deal. <laughs> Based on all the uh, insider reports, that did not happen. <laughs> yeah, there was no parachuting. You know, what went right? Casey Thompson, you got to give the kid credit for how he came in and played. I actually thought the secondary played an okay football game. It's just when your defensive front can't stop the run, partially because of how the defense was schemed that week, you don't get asked to do a whole lot. but Outside of one play, really, when they got asked to do stuff, they actually came through. I thought they were part of the reason they held Arkansas out of the end zone so much in the first half and held them to field goals. I thought B.J. Foster had a great night. Mm -hmm. uh, he was maybe the only individual player that had a great night. But, yeah, I mean, there was there was very little positive out of Saturday. Oh, very true. Yeah, my uh, – oh, we're still on positive. Sorry. Let me, let me go back to my – 
post-it note rather than my no we got chief, we got two more minutes notes, of this, so. notes for the, okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean there, there wasn't a ton besides that to, 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 to be honest i mean you know or we hope that the secondary is a strength of the team i mean comparatively it's it seems like it has to be and and yeah they they, they played well they they had yet to be helped out by a pass rush really of any kind and yeah they didn't get tested that often and they kind of went uh, <laughs> one out of two on big plays but that was good and i'm sure we'll talk a lot more about casey thompson you know what he's shown us in that game and you know it is career to this point and what he's gonna get to show us now but yeah you certainly couldn't couldn't fault his play you could say it was garbage time, but I mean, they weren't ever really doing anything fancy or they didn't stop doing the things they were doing all game and they succeeded. So the hat's off to him. And uh, yeah, the earth and the sun thing. I think I think we're done with the positives. Yeah. Earth. And, yeah. You know, earth and the earth is still here as we knew it on Saturday. So uh, whether you like it or hate it, uh, I think it's a positive that we're still alive. Yeah. We're breathing. Good. The sky fell a little bit. It did. It got it got a little closer to Earth. Okay, but it it's still up there, so silver linings, you know. Yeah, but it's just it's just this foreboding like Mordor sky now. There's just <laughs> like, black clouds rolling in, filled with like ash. There's a real there's a real baleful eye looking down at us. Like the sky is not as friendly as it once seemed. <laughs> and I feel like this is also this is such a cop out. I'll do it anyways. At least we don't live in Northwest Arkansas. There, there is that. That that'll be well. I was going to say that'll be the bad thing about leaving the the Big Twelve is that you don't get to at least do that parting shot on whatever cesspool you just played in when you lose. But there's plenty of cesspools in the SEC. Oh yeah, plenty of them. There's plenty. There's. So we'll, we'll 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 have that flex. <laughs> like before in the in the summer, Northwest Arkansas was having targeted campaigns at Austin. To say, well, look at Northwest Arkansas. We have so much commerce and the housing prices aren't crazy like in Austin. Huh. I wonder. I, I wonder why. Yeah. I wonder why it isn't as expensive as Austin. Yeah, it's, it's never great when one of your first leads is commerce. Because <laughs> commerce That's... is kind of a given. I mean, if it's like, hey, we've moved past the barter system. <laughs> like, well, you don't have to tell me the housing's affordable because they tend to go hand in glove. <laughs> Y'all, we left the 1990s, finally. <laughs> we, we have commerce. Ooh. Oh, wow. You mean you're actually using a monetary system now instead of trading pelts and animal meats. Okay, great. <laughs> yeah, and, why would you trade pelts for animal meats? I mean, if you killed the animal, know. you should have both. So. <laughs> maybe, you're, maybe you have an excess of pelts and need more meat. I don't know. So you were just <laughs> getting just a like, individual. Like, like skinny but baggy skinned animals, <laughs> and so you got a lot of pelts and not much meat. Yeah, caught, <sighs> caught, caught some uh, very wafy animals and kept the pelts but the meat wasn't worth eating i don't know <laughs> uh, a, lot, a lot of animals needed tummy tucks so <laughs> oh well yeah well, one one animal that was not poorly fed were the hogs since they feasted on us like the last scene of animal hey hey he's doing my job folks <laughs> yeah <laughs> texas didn't do well that's one way to put it they uh yeah. <laughs> the offensive game plan was lacking. The defensive game plan was lacking. And they kept on trying to hammer those game plans throughout the game. 
they kind of, in my opinion, pulled a Tom Herman, where they tried to fit a square peg into a round hole, and then when the square peg didn't fit the round hole, they took a hammer and were like, put the damn peg in the damn hole! And it didn't work. I hope you don't act that way around your wife. I mean, your future wife, that's... that's <laughs> That's going to be a bit disturbing. No, I'm not Tom Herman. <laughs> no, you... Oh, you're so. Oh, oh yes. you're sober. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Good. Wait. Sorry. Barely. Yes. Uh, uh, yeah. It was smooth sailing that relationship till they went to Dave and Buster's and he had that really unfortunate outburst at the Black and Mole game. Things seem to be going so well. Uh, well yeah, you, you, but... you mentioned you mentioned the game plans. I would say the burden of proof is on somebody out there to prove that there were any. <laughs> which is kind of Tom Herman-esque, but goodness, I mean, that that displayed absolutely zero understanding of who you were playing, what they were good at, what they were bad at, and how you should make some effort to take advantage of that. We had plenty of our own just mistakes, and we've got plenty of our own flaws, but there was zero attempt at all to show that you knew who you were playing. And, and I think that sentiment goes more towards the defensive side than the offensive side because I I am much more disappointed in what I saw on Saturday night out of Pete Kwiatkowski than I am on the offensive side of the ball with Sarkeesian because I realize he's been in Washington up in the you know the northwest for the last seven plus years but how you don't understand who you're playing coming into this game who's running that offense in Kendall Bryles who is running Art Bryles' offense at Baylor, which is a spread-you-out-to-power-run-at-you system, and you're just going to stay with a light box all night, is really kind of beyond my comprehension. as how you that Because Texas has legit players and legit talent on defense, and they were not put in a position to be successful by their coaches on Saturday night. The offense has its issues too, but I really think, especially in the first half, the offensive game plan kind of got... Um, prison effed by the play of our offensive line and in whatever <laughs> they how to put a square peg in a round hole <laughs> yes they do whatever game plan Sarkeesian had in the first half in many ways got screwed because his offensive line couldn't block a soul especially on the left side i i kind of disagree with the game plan thing it he tried to force the run game in the interior straight into zone blitzes and straight up safety blitzes the first runs they were successful at the beginning of the game because they weren't trying to they were still on their heels a little bit for the past but once barry odom was like oh he's just gonna try to feed b john robinson in the middle over and over and over again despite the fact that the zone the outside zone is probably one of texas's best running game plans that they have since last year and it works well with B. John Robinson, especially against a light box. I don't understand why they kept on running it up the gut on the left side as well. I mean, think about it. On the fourth and one, one, you need a better play than just give the ball to B. John Robinson and and have him try to force his way over the goal line. The fourth and one was terrible. And you're running it over the left side. You're You're running it behind Denzel Okafor. What are you doing? What are you doing? Do you understand who your players are? Do you understand the seventh-year senior is probably not playing in the NFL? Probably. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) probably. 
on my expert opinion, he's not going to be an NFL player. It's what we saw under Tom Herman. You're trying to figure out a solution by just like breaking through a brick wall with your head. I don't get it. It's a very mixed metaphor, but I'll allow it. (laughs) (laughs) Banging your head against a square hole of a solution (laughs) until it breaks. Trying to try no trying to force a round peg through a square hole using your head as the hammer. Are they? Are they? I, I guess a square hole is still technically a hole. It seems like it's more of like a hatch at that point. But yeah, I get what you're saying. <laughs> trying to fit an octagon into a triangle. Okay. All right. Now now we're really getting geometric with it. Okay. <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah, so we didn't actually you – know, defense played reasonably well because that, that would have been a perfect segue into a Scipio Texas classic line if we took angles that would make Euclid weep since we're on the ge- well, geometry. Well, here, here's the thing about the Texas defensive game plan is – it wasn't helped out by how the defensive line played. And the defensive line came into this game or came into the season as a very, very hyped up unit be- for good reason. I mean, Keanje Coburn is a senior. Mora Ojimo is a good player. Al- Alfred Collins is a five star and showed so at the last at the end of last year. Tavondre Sweat is an a is a good to great player. And then you have Good backups behind that with Vernon Broughton and Byron Murphy, who shouldn't be in the game for too long because of the players that you have in front of them. But, I mean, even at the beginning of the game, you saw the players, and they you saw it again in the Louisiana game. They are, it's, they're just standing up and, hand, and, and playing patty cake with the offensive line. I don't know if that's a a defensive game plan where you're asking them to read and react versus attack. But this defensive line is not doing it, and that hurt us against KJ Jefferson, who doesn't have a good arm, doesn't isn't good when it comes to reading defenses, and you're giving him all day long to do it. I get what you're, you're saying. You know, I the defense, I thought they held their own in the first half. They didn't play great, but they held their own. They got worn down in the second half. My biggest issue was coming into this game. If you watched Arkansas on tape and you knew anything about Kendall Bryles, your first plan, especially with that quarterback should have been, we are scheming to number one, stop the run. Number two, stop the run. Those should have been the first two things on your list to stop. And I did not see alignment and scheme on Saturday night from a game plan standpoint that looked like it was designed to stop that. Yes. Do I want more out of the defensive line? Of course I do. But, Texas was still playing a this this nickel base with a light box against a team that does not want to pass the ball if it does not have to. So when they did throw, they were successful because they got to throw on their schedule all night long. I do not like the game plan at all from Pete Kwiatkowski from an alignment or a play calling standpoint. It should have been honestly very more Arkansas-esque because stopping the run was paramount against this team. And they didn't do it really all night long. To be fair, Arkansas did have a lot of favorable field positions throughout this game. Three of their scoring drives were started I, on Texas's side of the field. I get that. But that doesn't change what your focus on defense should have been. Because you should know what they're going to try to do to you to put the ball in the end yeah. zone. You should have been focused on contain. Then you should have been focused on stuffing the middle. And then... 
Then you're focused on the passing game and trying to have KJ Jefferson beat you with his arm, which once he tried to do that, uh, you had an interception and were on the other side of the field. I, I kind of get that some of Gutkowski's philosophy, and we've seen it, you know, come through town with a couple of coordinators are, you know, don't give up the big play, keep them in front of you, and a college QB and a college offense will make a mistake or will inflict a negative play at some point in this drive and, and get them behind the chains. But that just did not make sense as a way to attack this team. And on both sides of the ball, we're like, this clearly isn't working. Let's stick with it and hope that something changes. I mean, there was like, was it a fourth and one? It was like crucial conversion time, short yardage, and we're still sitting in too high like Tom Brady is back there. And it made no sense. I mean, just adjust situationally, even if you think your game plan solid gold, this play brings somebody down and force the issue. Yeah, right. It, it took until late in the game to decide, hey, you know what? We're going to blitz eight players here because they're just running the ball. And it was too little too late at that point. And even then, the, it seemed like the team gave up at that point. Like it, At some point... I think the defense was just completely exhausted in the fourth quarter. Yeah. I really do. I think they were worn out. Um, the game yeah, was out. I, I saw one or two guys on the defensive line that if that if they hadn't given up, that they were not playing heavy snaps. And if that was their effort, then we've got a real problem on our hands. I saw one or two guys that gave up. I won't accuse the whole defense of that because, yeah, it was certainly adverse circumstances when you had the ball rammed into your round hole for as many as many carries as happened. <laughs> but there, there, there was there was some quick to be found out there. You know, and. You know, regardless of what we think about the game plan, you know, I, I said this on Saturday night, you know, football, there's a lot of complex things about football many times, especially the higher the level. But football at its essence is very simple a lot of times. And one of the very simple truths of football is if you get beaten at the line of scrimmage, especially if you get beaten on both sides of it, you're going to lose a football game. I don't care who you are, how much talent you have. And Texas got their asses kicked at the line of scrimmage all night long. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, that's the offensive line, man. I, specifically the left side of that offensive line with, with Denzel Okafor and Christian Jones. Christian Jones, maybe one day he'll be good. Today is not that day. Denzel Okafor, buddy. That day's not coming. <laughs> that day, the chances of him becoming good have long passed. They need to switch Junior Angelo back over to the left side. Give Christian Jones something over there to help him out. And put Andrzej Karic on that right tackle. Bring Derek Kerstetter into the right guard. That's something. Tinker with that offensive line. If there's any week to do it, it is this week. This Rice game is the game to tinker with that offensive line. The fact that they're not doing that is is infuriating to me. Yeah, that was probably the most disappointing element coming out of this and, you know, seeing and hearing what the reactions appear to be and, and hearing Sarkeesian, you know, assuming that he's speaking for, for Flood, the O-line coach as well, that, oh, no, we think they just uh, need some more reps to, to, to get it together. And it does not look that way to me. <laughs> No. I mean, you have to make at least one. You you cannot bring 78 back out there at left guard again and tell anybody 
that you are you are trying your best to put the best team you can on the field this season. I know continuity is a great thing. I know on the offensive line it tends to be more of a religion than anywhere else. But and for good reason. You've seen it for still. 48 starts. It's not going to turn on and start 49. It is not. No, he's look. I realize that this staff has only been around Denzel Okafor for about eight to nine months now. Uh, Jason, we've seen him now for six years. Okay, he is a decent to sometimes solid run blocker. He is a horrific pass protector. And I mean horrific on every level. He doesn't know who to block. His footwork is just garbage. I I can think of at least three plays on Saturday night before I finally turned the game off. And I did turn it off in the fourth quarter. I can think of at least three plays on Saturday night where they're sending a three-man rush. And, you know, that big nose tackle for Arkansas, who is a good player, good physical player, when he went one-on-one, Majors had trouble handling him one-on-one a number of times in the game. And you would see Okafor not have anybody coming at him, so he would turn to his left to go help Christian Jones with whoever he was trying to block and literally turn his back to the nose tackle, and the nose tackle would just beat Majors and get penetration. That is something as an offensive lineman that is pretty standard when it comes to pass blocking. You pass block from the inside out. That's how your protections are supposed to develop, from the inside out. If you've got a three-man rush and you're a guard, the only way you should turn to help the tackle is if that guy starts to come inside of the tackle. That's the only time. And Okafor would stand there for a minute or for a second, have nobody coming at him, and then just look over there. It's, oh, I wonder if Christian needs some help. And then here would come the (laughs) nose tackle. It's like, dude, what... Seriously, what in the blue fuck are you doing? <laughs> it's, and, and I've asked myself that question of Okafor so many times, I've lost count. He does not know what to do in pass pro, and that's why he's terrible. When you know when he has a, a good assignment, he's a, he's an okay run blocker. He is. We've seen him be solid at that at times. But good God, he is an absolute liability in pass pro. Yeah, well, Ugh. he is far he is far worse at run blocking than than he should be. Well, yeah, he's got he's got some he's got some ability there, and like the best thing he does for as bad as his feet are in general, it's weird. The best thing he does is like climb straight to the second level, find a linebacker, and usually get into a good position and gets and and stay locked on. You'll see some big guys get out there just basically fall forward. Like he can get up and block at the second level. But he has plenty of of slips and rips and letting guys rip sure. past him, you know, the defensive line and in the run game, and it, it kills just about any concept. It, it's really bad for the one we should be running, primarily as our identity, which Will mentioned as outside zone. It's a perfect fit for what Bijan does best. You can do so much stuff off it, but. I, I really have started to question if this staff has come out of success at Alabama just outbigging and out-talenting everybody, saying inside zone can solve everything, which is a horrendous flashback to the Tom Herman era. And I really don't want to watch any more of this driving a square peg up our own hole. Yeah, I mean, we should never be running inside It's inside zone to the left side. You can argue that occasionally you could run some inside zone to the right side because you have solid blocking there. Running it to the left side is insanity. 
I have been extremely disappointed in Christian Jones so far. Maybe part of that is because he has just a turnstile next to him at guard. But, I mean, it, I mean, Christian Jones has really not played well in either of these first two games. And, I, you know, I think a change may need to be made there as well. But let's, let's, let's fix the one gigantic hole in the dam first and see if that helps things. True. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. Yeah, it, it, that probably is – he might be my most disappointing player up to this point. Um, I mean, you you could make it argue, you know, expected huge things from from Coburn, and you haven't seen much of it yet. You know, Jomas, you know, you thought, okay, the strengths of this team are going to be up the middle on defense. You know, Bijan obviously, and you know, you're hoping that some other elements come together. But from what we saw, especially some late last year when they were running outside zone a lot, Christian Jones looked great, and yeah, he's he's really struggled this year, and it is it is not an area where we can continue to lag as much as we have been if this season's going to be close to what we hoped it to be. Yeah, again, they completely abandoned the outside zone in this game, completely abandoned it. And again, I I don't know if I spoke to this earlier, but the second down situation that they I'm looking through there to the drive sheet right now. And the first drive you had you know, an okay first down run by B. John Robinson for three yards. The next play, you run an inside zone right into a blitz for a loss of four. And then Hudson Carr is scrambling around going sideways for five I yards. I think that happened we'll on... We'll get into Hudson Carr for that, What you're describing happened on three of the first four drives. And nearly the entire first half, we were in third and long because of it. Yes, exactly. And so when they decided to finally try something different here. The first time they did that was, uh, let's throw an outside throw to hmm, Juan Davis, freshman tight end on the very outside. Yeah. He's a guy who's going to break it for a while. And that went for zero yards. <laughs> so yeah, that didn't or work out. Yeah, or n- none yards yeah. in the yeah. uh, parlance of John Madden. Oh, or uh, let's try to throw a pass to, Rashawn Johnson. Yeah, that went for six yards. Okay, good. First down. That works. Then there was a deep pass to Jordan Whittington who dropped it. So on that note, the hell wide receivers. The hell. Like Xavier Worthy was the best wide receiver. Josh Moore couldn't get any separation, had all game long to get some separation, couldn't do it. I don't know if they were doubling him or something. Jordan Whittington dropped two passes he should have caught and had two other ones that if it hits you in the hands, as a wide receiver, it's your it's your job to pull it in. We're getting into like wide receivers and quarterbacks. Wide receivers in the pass game, again, every time in the first half that we legitimately tried to throw it was third and long. And so all yes. Odom was doing was dropping eight, rushing three, and playing zone coverage. And that was with the intent of confusing Hudson Card and trying to make him indecisive, which it did. We never really saw mm-hmm. some good replays of what was going on down the field in the first half on those third and longs to see if guys were finding spots in the zone. Maybe some of them were, and Hudson just wasn't finding them. We don't know. But, yeah, they weren't – you know, all they were doing in, in the first half was long yardage situations. We're going to play umbrella zone and rush three. It made it incredibly difficult for Hudson Card to try to anticipate where the open guy was going to be in. If you're not anticipating, once the guy is open, it's too late. It's way too the late. The wide receivers didn't help because when the opportunities were there to make plays, they didn't make them. 
and that most of that goes on Jordan Whittington, and then you know goes back to Hudson Card. Yeah, I mean, I, I will say people that I know and trust who were at the game said there were a lot of guys running open. You know, particularly underneath. You know, we yeah, you know, we couldn't see from the broadcast, but it sounded like there were numerous opportunities. I mean, I don't know if that was somebody coming across, a, you know, a three-yard drag on third and eight, and maybe you want to look for something better in the brief time you have. But I think there were, you know, I think there were guys that could have been hit, and you saw, you know, the game look a lot different in terms of efficiency when Casey Thompson came in. And I know for a fact there was a touchdown to the post on that first, the first play. And I think it was one of Okafor's failures. It was a three-man rush and card basically self-sacked. He ran, he just panicked and ran up into the now free rusher. And I don't know who it was, but he had a backside post screaming open that could have just been laid in for six. So yeah, there, there were opportunities missed at, at quarterback. There were failures at receiver, but yeah, as you said, putting them in third and eight over and over and over and as Marshawn Lynch would say, over and over and over and over and over and over and over again, that was on the headsets. You know, both sides of the equation failed, but I am more angry at the headsets today because it would not have taken much to make some kind of adjustment to what they were doing mm-hmm. to you every second down. Yeah, and that yeah. gets back, you know, we we can you know, I think we can talk about Hudson Card here because that's the big news of the day is the change at quarterback and you know Hudson I think I I mean obviously Hudson did not play well I also got told by a couple of people at the game that not only did he not find guys that were there including he could have dropped it off to Bijan a couple of times maybe safety valve throws out to his very badass running back who can make anybody miss in the open field. But Hudson, for whatever reason, would not, and this is one of the things Casey did so well, he took what was there that the defense was willing, and that means using your legs to get yards as well. And for whatever reason, Hudson just kept looking downfield to try and throw instead of using his athleticism to get yards and put them in better situations, maybe get some first downs. Which in turn would have brought the defense up. Yeah. To give him those throws. I, I think he got rattled by that early pressure and started seeing ghosts. Uh, like you said, Jason, he self-sacked on one of those plays. I think a lot of that, I think that early pressure on those first few series uh, made, and, and Sarkeesian said as much in press conference today. He got antsy in the pocket when he didn't need to. And he made bunches of bad decisions because of it, whether it's not to run, whether it's to not run when there's yards there to be gained and maybe get a first down, or you know, not take the open man because you're looking for something bigger. Um, I think what happened on Saturday got into Hudson's head, and because of it, he had a horrific game. And you know, now the now the change is being made, and that is a classic young quarterback thing to happen. Yes, is to get into your head, and you were hoping to come into this game with your redshirt freshman quarterback not making mistakes, you didn't get that. And ended up in you getting blasted by 19 points. And on top of that, Hudson Card was overthrowing. He wasn't in rhythm at all. He couldn't oh, yeah. get in rhythm because, again, the headsets... He wasn't throwing on balance when he didn't need to be throwing off balance. Right. It yeah, the headsets weren't helping him out. And then he'd overthrow. His confidence was shot, absolutely shot in the game. And ended up in you know, three quarters of not very good play. 
I think I've I think we've talked about this ad nauseum at this point. At least I have. I'm nauseous. <laughs> the the difference between Casey Thompson and and Hudson Card is one's a playmaker, one's a you know a pure passer. Hudson Card is that pure passer guy who's, who's better in the pocket than he is outside of it. Casey Thompson's a better guy when, he, when everything breaks down, and you saw that Casey Thompson with this offensive line is. If your offensive line is not going to be great, Casey Thompson's the answer. If Steve Sarkeesian could have a great offensive line and had everybody he wants, and it was, you know, this team was built for Steve Sarkeesian, was Alabama, Hudson Card's your answer. But it's not. Hudson Card has, has simultaneously the higher ceiling and the lower floor of the two quarterbacks. I think that's, mm-hmm. that's the best way to describe them. Um, I think there are plays that Hudson can make. I think he has the ability to be the more dynamic of the two, but he's also going to make more mistakes in many respects because of his youth. I think he's the guy who's going to make more mistakes, like you said, Will, when the play breaks down. So it's it's a risk-reward situation. The change that's getting made this week, I understand it, but I don't necessarily agree with it. And it's more of a philosophical thing for me. You went through all spring football, all of fall camp, and while the decision may have been close and may have been difficult for Sarkeesian to make, he made a decision and said that Hudson Card is our starting quarterback. If you're going to make that call, especially when you're talking about a redshirt freshman who's never really played, in my opinion, from a philosophical standpoint, you have to stick with him and let him make those mistakes and you know take those lumps learn from them and try to get better i don't think you yank him from the starting lineup after one bad start if that's the decision you made to be the starter that's why i think this decision has a lot more to do with things other than what happened saturday night yeah i was going to say i i in a vacuum um i wouldn't disagree with that that philosophy, of course, also in a vacuum, be saying fucking dusty in here. Let me out. But, um, <laughs> but I mean, that, now that we are now that we're in the era of the portal. Right. And uh, yeah, we've it, there's been more than one or two or three uh, rumblings of, of Casey Thompson's extreme dissatisfaction with not being named the starter <laughs> out of the gate. Yep. Following up on that night when Card was as bad as he was and Thompson, you know, whatever caveats you want to put on it, how much better he looked. If you started Card, then you're, you're running a significant risk of, of Casey pulling the ripcord, probably. And there's the fact that, you know, started out the season, said Card's going to be the starter, Thompson's going to play. Now it's Thompson's the starter, Card's going to play. You know, we haven't, we haven't, you know, given up on on Hudson card attributed the program ever or even this season or even maybe you know re seizing the reins but I, I got it based on everything that we'd heard coming out of spring and summer why they went the way they did I get it now I don't know if either of these guys is going to be able to take us where we want to go this season or, or long term but I'm fine seeing them both and at least we've got what should hopefully be a couple of winnable games for both of them to kind of get their sea legs and see if they can both make some strides in the areas where they've been struggling. Yeah, Oklahoma is a really winnable game. I agree. 
<laughs> the, the one thing I will say is this is not like Major, Major and Chris Sims. This isn't the same situation. How so? Well, two reasons. Number one, Steve Sarkeesian didn't recruit either one of these guys. Whereas Mac Brown recruited Chris Sims. Major Applewhite was already on the roster. Mac Brown didn't recruit Major Applewhite. Chris Sims was, at that point, the most high-profile recruit that Mac had landed at Texas. Okay? Major Applewhite was a kid, while he was a redshirt freshman Mac's first year, you know, it wasn't a kid that he recruited, even as well as he, as well as he played. Um, the whole Major Applewhite-Chris Sims thing, in some respects, not all, but in some respects kind of divided the team a bit. From everything you read in here, the team would have been fine with either choice that the coaching staff made at quarterback here. And that because they knew that both guys were close, I think most everybody thought that Card was a little bit ahead of Thompson in the battle, but they both played solid. They uh, were both good choices, and the team would have been fine either way. Both guys are very well liked on the team. Both guys are viewed from the same, from a leadership standpoint. It's it's that kind of thing. Major and Chris wasn't like that. There were camps. You know, you had the Major camp, you had the Chris camp. You know, I don't think the coaching staff handled that well. I don't see this as the same situation. You also had Major having had success before Chris took over the job. That didn't help either. In this situation, neither guy has been the starting quarterback before. Um, well, Casey Thompson had success. Casey Thompson had one half of good football against a average Colorado team. Slow down, slow down on the whole success thing. He no, Casey Thompson was a Heisman runner up. Uh, anyways, uh, Kate, no, <laughs> Casey Thompson. I guess I they're think, all technically runners up. Yeah. He's technically correct, and that's the best type. But um no, I think the reason I'm I'm okay with this Casey Thompson move here is for all the reasons you, you talked about, but again, when a play breaks down, who's your better quarterback here? It's obviously gonna be Casey Thompson. He's the guy who is better when there is chaos than when everything is as it should be. And on top of that, we were talking earlier about the team giving up. You saw that almost on both sides of the ball until Casey Thompson came in. Casey Thompson, we have heard, is a vocal leader. He's a guy who is going to be in your face. He's a guy who exudes the leadership. Whereas Hudson Carr was described as, I lead by example. Well, when your example is self-sacking and giving up a fumble and overthrowing guys, that's not going to inspire a lot of confidence in your team. And also you're a redshirt freshman. Yeah, but he didn't do that in week one. That's true. Exactly. He did none of that in week one. No, I, he did overthrow guys, but, (laughs) but no, I I get what you're saying. But the, the fact is, is that Casey Thompson is your, is your vocal leader here. And you saw that this team is sort of lacking in leadership, especially on the offensive side of the ball. B. John Robinson maybe needs to step up as a leader, but you need somebody to be a leader, a guy who is running the team, a team that is led by the players, not by the coaches. And that is going to be a guy who is like Casey Thompson, 
rather than at this point, at right now, where we are in history, Hudson card. Yeah, I, I always shy away a bit from, you know, what, what can feel like armchair psychology about quarterbacks, leadership, locker room and all that. But in this case, with this team, it really does feel like you need something to rally around because, yeah, it's kind of hard to see <laughs> where that might be, especially coming off such a nut punch of a game. And, you know, with mm-hmm. a head coach who, you know, I really enjoy – Sarkeesian's press conferences. I like that he seems to be pretty thoughtful, you know, as as direct, you know, and, and willing, you know, not just treating the fans and reporters like idiots, not just solely relying on coach speak. Pretty but, transparent guy seems to yeah, be. But he's but he's he's not that fiery Ron Rivera get the team ready to run through a brick wall type. You know, he's he's more cerebral. He kind of counts on the guys you know, being prepared, being calm, being being focused, playing from a, a centered spot. But when you've been knocked the hell off center, sometimes it helps to get that loud, pissed off, rah-rah, fired up voice to get guys up off the mat and, and get them excited. And if Thompson can bring some of that, I'm I'm all for it. And I don't necessarily think you should make your quarterback decision based on who the best is is if the play breaks down, unless all other things are equal. However, the one thing that could sway me towards that particular type of player is if you... Playing Denzel Okafort left guard. Yeah, is if you have an offensive <laughs> line that has been, as our friend W.W. McClyde said on Saturday night, has been a saloon door on one side which is basically what Okafor and Jones have been on the left side. They've been a swinging saloon door. So if you're anticipating that the plays are going to break down more than we would like, then yeah, I can see why you might want a Casey Thompson in place until you can solidify that offensive line to where they don't have your quarterback seeing ghosts because they're getting beat by three-man pressures. Yeah. Is there anything else we want to hit on this game? Anything, any other complaints, comments, <laughs> concerns? I, I, I feel like there's probably a litany of complaints, but you know, er, earlier before the show, Will had asked, hey, did you do a rewatch? And I was like, well, I'll tell you what, if you're out there mowing your lawn on a hot July day and you come in and you are craving that nice, cool, tall glass of lemonade, and you walk over the table, you mop your brow, you grab it, you drink it, and you realize it was actually a hot glass of cat piss. <laughs> you don't. A, wanna... you're disappointed, but B, you don't take a second. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you don't. This was a hot glass of cat piss game, and <laughs> I, for one, have spent enough time on it. Well, I, I was going to say, in your case, Jason, with a newborn, <laughs> I was going to say you're dealing with enough shit as it is on a daily basis. Why would you want is... Why would you want to? <laughs> knowingly expose yourself to more <laughs> that is that, that that is true i don't need to fall for the uh cat piss in a glass ambush i can just be talking to my son and he can piss directly in my mouth during a diaper change so. <laughs> y'all i let my life and my mood for the week be determined by 85 17 to 22 year olds that's not healthy is it uh, it's not generally speaking it's... no no, it's not. Um, you're, this is, you know, there, there are many areas where elder statesmen such as ourselves could mentor you. 
um, Pat Choice being one of them. But, um, <laughs> but I wouldn't say this is a great area since we're in that same boat in our and... <laughs> advanced age. But but yes, you, you raise an excellent point. It is in fact not healthy at yeah. all. Um, no. Yes. If if any if anyone's listening, if your life has been ruined by the Longhorns, call Battle Fans Anonymous. Well, there is help. Let's say for this the is, last uh, this is Longhorn Fans Anonymous for, here. For the last decade, I imagine that's a pretty long list so, to the point where some people are I just thought, like, you know what, fuck this, I'm tired, I'm done. Yeah, I thought this was only Fans Anonymous. I dialed mm. the wrong line. Yeah, damn it, <laughs> damn it. But you know, throughout, I mean, I guess I want to say throughout. Since last year, we've seen Barry Odom has had Steve Sarkeesian's number. We've seen Pete Kwiatkowski do really, really well as a defensive coordinator. There are still 10 more games left in the season. There's a chance Texas still gets to nine. We were not expecting this year to be the best year ever. We were expecting to split the first two games. Uh, we weren't expecting to blow out Louisiana, as my friend Jacob told me at the beginning of the show. And we also weren't expecting to get blown out by Arkansas. Yeah, I think to try and, you know, now that we've kind of unleashed our frustration and anger to kind of put some perspective on it. Anybody who's ready to throw the baby out with the bathwater on this needs to just calm the fuck down. Okay. Like I'm I not said, doing that. My wife would kill me. Uh, yeah, yeah. That in your case, that would be an extremely bad choice. But, jeez, <laughs> I'm just picturing Brittany coming at you with an implement of some kind now. Um, <laughs> I also am picturing this. <laughs> um, you know why do you need a picture? You've lived it. Uh, no, well, she hadn't really come up with the implement. She would though. Yeah, the baby would. got tossed. Um, you know they, this. As you were just saying, Will, I think most Texas fans with any level of rational thinking thought that we would probably... Both of them. Yeah, both of them. Most Texas fans thought we would split these first two games. I would say there is a higher number of people who thought Texas might lose these two first two games than there are people who thought Texas might win these first two games. But I would, if, if you put a fan boat out there, what do you think we're going to do the first two weeks of the season? I think the vast majority would have thought it would have been a split. Texas played a lot better than anybody thought they would in week one, played a lot worse than they thought they would in week two. But the net result is the same. Okay. Texas split the first two games this week. And I'm sure they started feeling it on Sunday. This week is going to suck for them, both in the coaching offices and in the locker room. They need to learn what they can from this game this past Saturday and then throw it in the goddamn garbage and move the fuck on. Because as you said, there are winnable games in front of them. They've got rice this week. Rice is not a terrible football team as we saw against Arkansas in week one of the, you know, the full blown week one. Um, Yo, but I think they're... Arkansas might win the Southwest conference this year. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, Rice is not a good football team either. So this is a very winnable game. They need to get back to, this is a little Tom Herman-esque, they need to get back to doing well the things that are their strengths and make whatever personnel, we've already seen one of them, make whatever personnel adjustments they need to make as well as coaching adjustments and move forward with this. Because after that, we start after Saturday, they start conference play. They'll get Texas Tech at home. 
Texas Tech is not good. They should beat the Red Raiders. They're not a good football team. Okay. Then they got TCU on the road and then Oklahoma. TCU is has been a bugaboo for Texas since they joined the conference, but I've watched TCU play. I watched them play a decent amount on Saturday against Cal. They're not a great football team by any stretch. They just aren't. If you coach well and game plan well, you should be able to beat that football team even on the road. So you've got winnable games the next three weeks. Learn from this game and get on with it and forget about what happened on Saturday. It's the best thing they can do. Mm-hmm. No, completely agree. There's the 24-hour rule for a reason. I think they need to come and let out their frustrations on Rice. They need to make in-game adjustments. That let other people play, especially along that off the line. Test out a few different formations, sure. If they start and end the game with the same five guys on that offensive line, then I might be a little salty. But I think this is the game where you test a few things out and... Don't let a bad game in Arkansas spiral the rest of the season. Simple as that. Right? What exactly do you want to see against Rice this week? What is it going to make you... Nothing's going to make you feel better about what happened, but what would make you feel slightly less shitty? I Different guys in the O-line, honestly. <laughs> I mean, that, that's number one, two, and three. Like, I, I want to see us... Yeah, I want to see different guys in the O-line... I want to see us repping outside zone on offense. I mean, we should be able to throw on them. I hope to God we can pass protect against them. You know, although with Kepler at the O line, even that could be in question. But that's what I want to see there. And I, I want to see the interior of the defensive line absolutely rip the hell out of Rice. These guys should be frustrated. These guys' pride should be somewhat stung by the fact that they have not lived up to what I hope are their own expectations. And I, I want to see them battering some aerospace engineering majors <laughs> for four quarters. And the, sad, the, the one thing I will say, that the sad thing is, my expectation of that does not extend to the, to the edges. Because I do not know if we've got a... I won't say don't even have a league average player, but... I don't think we have anything close to a difference major. The difference major. <laughs> they didn't have, I I, trans, I transferred from aerospace engineering to difference <laughs> for my senior year. <laughs> a difference maker. Um, yeah, Joseph Osai is not walking through that door. Yeah. I mean, I I I would say that the uh, recruiting. Well, then who's number forty six? <laughs> not Joseph Osai. <laughs> yeah, yes, that is not Osai. That's what it says on the back of the jersey. <laughs> I mean, and that that will—I'm sure—we'll probably be talking about that in uh, in in future in future installments as as how that will play out. But that's one thing that makes me sad. But yeah, like the you get, try some different things in the O line because they didn't work at all. And what should have been the foundation of defense? Let's see it rip right. shit up against an undermanned team. I think the one thing that all Longhorn fans want to see from a coach, especially in year one, is learn from your mistakes. That That's the whole sort of Sarkeesian selling point is he learns from his mistakes. Let's see it. I want to see you learn from your mistakes. I don't want to see you, Tom Herman, and bash your head against the wall until it works. I want to see some adjustments. I want to see them tinker and toy and find something that works. I don't want it to be 
the again the Tom Herman special of the bang your head against the wall until you have to make a change because your job is on the line and then it it miraculously works like it did against last year when you played Kansas State and oh my god Majors is a really good center we didn't need to use uh, Kerstetter there we could have had him on the outside instead wow that would have been great we should have played with this earlier in the season before my job was on the line uh, stuff like that learn from your mistakes don't figure out that oh the outside zone is great on the last game of the year and and then find your team identity and then pound that into the ground once you find out oh this works it's great not try to force a team into your system into what you want your team to be find out what your team is and then find out what it works Pound your identity into a round hole. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, my what I want to see this Saturday this Saturday is I want to see execution. And I don't mean of anyone physically. <laughs> right. we, we, we don't mean in the uh, Easy Brian uh, Kelly Brian and Kelly. your your <laughs> lack of ability to pull off a John McKay joke from the seventies. <laughs> Good God. Right. I mean, if, if he even delivered it halfway well. Yeah, that, he just, that it was just thing. horrific delivery. Um, you know, but I, what, I want to see the team, I want to see the team execute the game plan. And, it, you know, we saw it for the most part week one defensively. Offensively, you know, there was some execution issues even in game one. You know, the, it was a bit of a struggle for them early offensively. They got things going in the second half. Um, the offense has really yet to consistently execute things, and that's what we need to see. Um, this staff has come in. There are no sacred cows on this on this team this year. None. It's, but especially on the offensive side. Save maybe. I will not have you slander people like that, sir. <laughs> um, you know, my advice to our offensive line coach, Kyle Flood, is – Denzel Okafor is who he is at this point, and you are not going to be able to fix him. He has had multiple offensive line coaches during his, too many, really, but he has had multiple offensive line coaches during his time here. He's still the same player he was when he was playing as a freshman in 2017. He is he is not good in pass pro. He is average to sometimes decent in the run game. He does not need to be in your starting five period end of story if you want to let him play the first series as a starter just for shits and giggles okay but you need to work other guys into the offensive line and move some guys around i I like will's idea of moving junior back over to the left side um because that i mean he played there his first couple of years here i got no problem with that at all but work some other guys in because denzel okafor is a liability for you up front and, you know, we talked about on defense, we talked about the lack of an edge rusher thing going into week one. And I agree with Jason. I don't know if that's something that's going to solve itself this year because I just don't know if we have the players to do it. But that means, like Jason said, the all these defensive tackles that we've been hearing about for the last month plus need to start whipping some people's asses up front and getting into the backfield. And they need to do it now. Because they need interior pressure because you're not going to get consistent outside pressure. Very true. I, I will loop back to one other thing you said. Um, if we are playing Okafor significant reps, 
There are going to be a lot more shits than giggles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the shit to giggle ratio is going to be all out of whack. You're not lying about that. Um, you know, yeah, that's funny. I like that. That's a good. I also good need one. to see some more from the wide receivers. You know, Wit mm. Wit was Wit was was a microcosm of this team in the first two weeks. Jordan Whittington was fantastic week one and was dog shit in week two. We need him to be more consistent. Troy O'Meary isn't back yet. That sucks. But some other guys need to start making some plays, and that includes Joshua Moore because he's been non-existent for the most part in the first two weeks. And he needs to find a way to start making some plays uh, on the outside. The tight end situation sucks for Texas right now because of injuries. So you can't really expect much out of that. Um, so that means the wide receivers need to start making some plays. And that also means <laughs> what, what do you get when you add two to 78? Uh, yeah. You know what though? He played pretty good week. Yeah. It's they're, they're not, they weren't near comparable. I've just yeah. I've been you know, doing, it was a doing, good doing, joke, Jason. I applaud it. Doing, yeah. Thank you. I've been, you know, I've been, it was, it was I've, funny. I'm, I'm more, I'm holding angst from the 500 reps he shouldn't have had over the last, <laughs> Four years. The ones we've had now are passable. You know, what's funny is after week one with uh, Brewer, I was thinking going into week two, it's like, you know what? He had a really solid week one, both blocking and receiving. I was like, if he can give us an Andrew Beck type year, I would be ecstatic. But you just have oh to, my re- God. I would, just have to I realize what the kind of a bar that is. I would build a DeLorean to go capture Andrew Beck and bring him back to the team <laughs> at this point. My God. I'm not asking for Jermichael Finley. I'm not even asking for Pat Fitzgerald. I would take Andrew Beck in a heartbeat. Yep, yep. And, and they need a guy like that. I think Brewer kind of is that guy at this point. That's just who he is. Just be solid out there. Um, but I know Sarkeesian likes. Don't, don't be, don't be liquid. Don't be, don't liquid. be gas. Don't be plasma. <laughs> be solid. Be solid. <laughs> that goes for a, a number of areas in life. Please be solid. <laughs> uh, if for sublimated into a gas right now and skip liquid entirely, I wouldn't be that. This one. No, I shouldn't wish. I guess that would be death. I shouldn't wish death. Is that spontaneous? A... No, it's not spontaneous combustion, is it? No. Are you, are no, you wishing spontaneous different. combustion on our offensive line? They've already no, done that. Yeah, no, spontaneous combustion and sublimation are different. Yeah. But, uh, but yes. Oh, I, I withdraw that comment. Please delete it. Please delete. Please delete from the record. Yes. Oh, I, I miss. I, I, I just miss Chuck Evans strong. <laughs> Twitter, please delete. <laughs> Twitter, please send email. <laughs> that, honestly, Wait, when, he, when recruits went to read on him, it's like, oh, please send this to my recruiting coordinator. He'd give actual Charlie Strong's handle. That, that, uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, it's hard to really kind of quantify that, but Chuck F. and Strong was one of the funniest things and one of the simultaneously funniest and best things to happen to Texas football in a long time. Both God. I mean and that's, it's it's not a great place to back. be in. It's not a great place to be in. Uh, occasionally he'll he'll show up, pop occasionally. up occasionally. It's not a, it's not a great it's not a great place to be in when when you're talking about your program and you're longing for the golden days of a parody account of a failed coach. Yeah. <laughs> But that's what is it? Faux Polini? Faux Polini was such a was is a classic, and I want that to be Texas. I want Chuck Effenstrong to be to be Texas as Faux Polini. Uh, dude, yeah, Jason's right though. I mean, Chuck Effenstrong was just when when 
Yeah. When recruits started sending huddle clips to that account, I lost it. <laughs> I completely lost it when that started happening. And he had, like, the guy who runs that account actually had to be like, had to find a funny way to shift it over to the actual yes. coach. <laughs> yeah. Because this will actually harm the team. Where people are like, Coach, why did you watch my tape? What do you mean? I said it to you. What do you mean? <laughs> oh, God. I, 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 need a, I need a laugh now after the tears of, of Saturday. Yeah. So my one, one, more, one more glorious Chuck Evan Strong moment. He got away from this a little bit you know, in the later years, but like some of his hallmark work early on was just trolling Tex eggs with all oh, the manner of yeah. the <laughs> <laughs> At one point, he just tweeted, he, he just tweeted a picture of a caterpillar on the sidewalk. It said, at Tex eggs, what kind of snake is this? <laughs> and it just made me so happy. Yeah. That really was like the, the epic peak of that account was just the interactions with Texags. I mean, he would troll OU really hard as well, but I mean, the at Texag, the Aggie stuff was just. Oh, yeah. I right. mean, Between the Texags account and just referencing that old Sumblin. <laughs> that old Sumblin, yep. <laughs> <laughs> Again, it's not. It's not like it's not like we have Steve Ross on here telling us fucking stories of of Woo Woo Worcester, the '69 national champs. We're having to fucking harken back to a parody account of a failed coach. Yeah. So that's where we are, folks. Yep, that's hey, are. it was it was a great parody account. All right, you don't get. Oh, it was. There are a lot it of coaching classic. parody accounts out there. They spawn every, for every single coach out there. We got a classic. We sh- and you know what. Yeah, I mean, we got one of the two best that's ever been on the internet. You mm-hmm. know, that one mm-hmm. and at Fopolini were the they were the two, and there yep. there have been there, there have been other attempts, but they have never reached those heights. <laughs> yeah. Oh God, I've been freshly inspired to start a Dave Campo parody account. Now. <laughs> we're gonna uh, we, speaking of our new our new sponsor Bob Ross positive energy drinks we're gonna leave this po- we're gonna leave the podcast off here on some positive yeah. energy like that yeah. and, and folks just so you know he's holding the can up to the webcam even though this is an audio podcast yes, yes everybody can see the the bob ross can yeah the the positive energy drink with bob ross there are a few other ones there's a sonic one i, I think this company i'm, I'm gonna ask like to be the, the, hedge, the hedgehog or the bad burger place uh Bad, Probably bad both, burger. Honestly. Bite your tongue, boy. <laughs> well, they're bad. They're they're bad by the time they actually get out to your car because the meat is spoiled by then. <laughs> if you somehow get one twenty minutes or less when you order it, it's not bad. <laughs> so, future future sponsor Boston America Corp is bringing you this show over the boss the the Bob Ross positive energy drink we're gonna leave it off there By the way, speaking of parody accounts i'd love to hear some opinions <laughs> we're not gonna leave it off no we're not that's good i have to say one thing speaking of parody accounts i would love to hear some thoughts of sean connery from beyond the grave just throwing that out there so you know just in case anybody wants to maybe share some thoughts of the late great sean connery what he would have thought about things on twitter you know in in good fashion that would probably be something that'd be entertaining <laughs> I didn't talk about Moonraker after it came out. I'm talking about the fucking game. 
someone else's problem and it sucked. <laughs> all right, guys. On all the positive energy we have flowing the room, I hope I hope we have made this past week a little bit more enjoyable. Thank y'all for joining us. This has been fourth and five. We appreciate y'all joining us. Who wants to go first? Jacob, do you want to find tell us where we can find you? Uh, you can find me at Kips underscore big underscore boy on Twitter. And Mr. Jason Chilton? Yeah, he can find me at the Yellow Rose drowning my sorrows. Oh, you are within walking. Well, oh, well I'll, yeah. Or at, at knowthegame60. I'll just tell my fiance I'm at the uh, style switch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sounds good. No, honey, I had the glitter brisket. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm at the... Uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you guys can find me on Twitter at W-I-L-L-B-A-I-Z-E-R because I'm your host, Will Bazer. And you guys can find all of our other shows on the Hornscast channel, which you are listening to right now. So if this is your favorite podcasting platform, go ahead and give a subscription and rate us. Let us know what you think. We'll see you all next week. Hook them. Hook them. Hook them.